Welcome to The Porch. I'm Lindsay Bacardo, keynote speaker and virtual presenter for organizations who want to build strong, multi-generational teams. I believe that the modern day leader has a moral obligation to grow personally and lead others from a grounded and healthy and healed place. You're going to hear me bring on psychologists, neuroscience experts, storytellers, emotional intelligence researchers, really anything that helps a leader grow personally and ultimately impact the culture of their organization. This is where I bring my favorite thought leaders on these topics to teach and mentor us through our own growth. I'm so glad you're here and welcome to The Porch. Today, I have a very special guest. Kristen Fuller is with us and she's going to share her story with us, but just a little bit about her. I met her when she was an executive in the nonprofit space and her main focus over and over and over again is to take care of people, help them grow, maximize their potential and make the biggest difference she can. So you can imagine that when I heard that she was taking a real sabbatical, not like a week off to read in a hammock, but a real true sabbatical, I was like, tell me all about it. And this was before the pandemic. This was years ago. So she's had time to take that space to reset and kind of reflect on that season of her life. So this is our chance to explore this idea of taking a full stop and reassessing our lives. Kristen, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for being here with us today. It's really glad to be here too. Yes. All right. Okay. So, so much has changed in your life in the last few years, Mm -hmm. but I'm curious when you, when you zoom back out and you look at your career progression or the choices that you've made big picture, can you tell us first just about your sabbatical, why you chose to take it, how long it was? Yeah. So I had been working in the nonprofit space for about 15 years. Yep. And had been doing what I would call direct service. So working um, in multiple different places where I was working directly with um, people who were poor and marginalized. And as you can imagine with that population, they they just had a lot of needs. Um, and as I continued to do the work, I realized that I was growing really apathetic and really just tired. Like I came into the work, very passionate about what I was doing. And by the time I was getting to the end of it, um, I just didn't, I didn't have a lot of care inside of me anymore. And that to me was a big alarm that Mm -hmm. it was time to kind of uh, take a break. Um, And I, I got to the, I got to this place in my career where I realized I'm tired, burnout, and I needed to, I need to take a break. Like I kind of lost all my creativity mm-hmm. and my, my zest, if you know what I mean. And oh, yeah. um, I just needed to stop. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I asked myself, what kind of stop do I need? And, you know, I think for most of us who are working professionals, it's hard to imagine stopping and not, not having something to go to. Totally. Totally. Uh, it kind of feels like the edge of a cliff. And I realized for myself, I didn't have any, um, I didn't have any passion or desire for what that next thing would be. So I couldn't just jump from job to job. I had to, I had to just take the risk and and pause. I love that you said the word risk because it's, that is a real piece of it is saying what's worse going into another job burned out or just taking a pause. I'm curious. Oh, what were you going to say? 
Oh, just that I think I, I imagine if we did a survey, there are so many people who are in that position. Yeah. They physically can't, they just financially or for whatever other reason can't take that risk. Um, yeah. or they kind of look at it and say, Ooh, I need that, but that's too scary. So, yeah, that's, what I was going to ask, like, how did you just practically speaking? know like I can take this, this break, I can take this risk. And how did you build a safety net around you? just resource wise, financially, how did you do that? Because I know some of us immediately say, this is impossible. I'm not going to be able to do this. So how did you build that safety net? Maybe a plug for doing what you can right now to live below your means, if that's a possibility. Yes. We Mm -hmm. did talk about that. I remember that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think maybe not for everybody, but at least for me, there were a lot of things that I was doing and spending money on that I didn't need to. And so for me, it was a little bit of a question of, is it really that I can't do that? Or is it that I'm maybe not willing to make the sacrifices to do that? I don't think that's true for every person, right? Some people literally can't um, not work, but totally. me, I was able to really pare things down. Um, and I had a husband who at the time was not, he wasn't making some, you know, enormous salary where I could just, oh, no, no problem. I could just not work. Yeah. I mean, it was a sacrifice for us financially for me to let go of a full-time, you know, salary job. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think if it's something that, you know, deep down in your spirit that you need to be able to step into the next phase of life, then I think you, you owe it to yourself to do everything you can to try to figure out how to make it happen. And for me, I knew that I needed to take a break, like a real break. And in order to do that, I had to figure out a solution. So we just pared down everything we possibly could. And my husband tried to find more work. So he was willing to kind of compensate for my lack of income for that period of time. Yeah. And I mean, I, I guess I would maybe put a plug that sometimes if you really go after what you want, you would be surprised what the universe create space for, for you. So mm-hmm. I've just found that again and again in my life when I'm willing to take a risk, it's almost like the, the road kind of appears beneath you. Yes. The resources come and whatever you most need, actually, it, it actually becomes possible, even though it, it doesn't make sense, right? Like it could feel like it's impossible, but it, do, it is actually possible um, in a surprise. Yes. So That is, you know, that's something that we talk a lot about in coaching is, you know, whatever you focus on, you're going to get. So if I'm, if somebody came to me and said, I need a break, I wouldn't say, well, can you really take one? I wouldn't even ask them that. I would say, how can we do this? How can we do this? Not, is it possible? I'm going to assume that there is a way that this can happen and I need to pay attention to how it would be possible, not if it's possible. So This is so smart, Kristen, because it's also easy, and I'm sure you've thought about this, for people to say, well, and I'd be in the same category, like you're in a place of privilege, you're in a relationship, you obviously have some savings, but it's deeper than that. This mentality, and I'm thinking about this a lot as a business owner, living below my means, not every year ratcheting, and most of us probably feel this with the price of eggs right now, (laughs) that we are all going to find a way. Do you have chickens? Don't you have chickens, Kristen? Chickens, yeah. I'll be over tomorrow for an omelet. That's exactly it. 
But it's like, how can I live? Because it's very common psychologically that when you make more money, you have fine, you get a, a more expensive car that costs more to repair, that costs more to maintain, the tires are three times as much. And we just keep ratcheting up and then we never have any margin. Yeah. What a gift to our, each one of us to just say, okay, where could I create margin? I think too, it's a, it's a very countercultural mentality to think that it's okay for you to, to take that break. Yes. So it's, it's both the, the financial means, you know, to say, I'm going to not, I'm going to do whatever I can to live below those means. So if I need something like that, I, I have the space for it, but it's also creating the space in the way you think about the agency you can have in your own life. And taking a sabbatical for me was not, I'm going to just check out. Like I'm, I'm never going to go back to work again. I don't want to do anything that's meaningful that once was meaningful to me anymore. It, it's, it was a, a very intentional strategy for me to recover the core parts of myself so that I could then go back and do more meaningful work and contribute in the ways that I, I was finding, if I was honest, that I wasn't actually able to do anymore. I was showing up, yeah, but you know, it was like my body was there, but they weren't really getting me and I really wasn't getting me either. So I think yes. it's also a mentality. Um, this is, this is an example that would be like, like, I don't do this. This would be way, way more extreme even than me. But I remember watching a Ted talk from a gentleman that ran like a creative marketing agency. And he literally saved a certain percentage of his income every year, not for retirement, but so every seven years he could take a full year sabbatical. And it was a creative, I can give you the link to that if anyone wants to watch it, but it was a, it was, it is so cool. It was amazing. And he talked in his TED talk about how everyone around him was like, you're crazy. I can't believe you're going to do that. And then all of his most creative work would come out of that year. And it actually boosted his business. Like his business was much more profitable and successful because of that. So I didn't do that. I was, (laughs) I wasn't being like, you know, really forward thinking. I was just tired and I needed to stop, but you could actually (laughs) even be more (laughs) intentional and create those pauses for yourself, even if you're not so year. I mean, that sounds like a lot every seven years, but you could do something. So, yeah, I think about that. Like how, how could you even take a month or two off every two years or every year, take all of December off? What would it just, what would it take? Not, is it possible, but what would it take to really do that? And recently, like just going through what is a true monthly living expenses is insanely practical. I'm not a financial advisor. Uh, this is not financial advice, but (laughs) disclaimer, but saying like, how much is my monthly burn at my house? How much do we spend? How can I save towards that? And just give myself some breathing room. That's so interesting now. Okay. Kristen, you probably don't remember this, but several years ago when we were sitting at Patitude talking about this over brunch, I asked you, okay, it's your first few weeks of sabbatical first few months of sabbatical. And I was like, I said something like, tell me what your body's telling you. Do you remember this? And you were like, you were like, I thought I was going to be running and like exercising. And instead you were like, I am doing gentle yoga and sleeping. Do you remember this? I'm aiming it rings a bell. It makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) So do you, when you think back, do you remember some of the physicality, some of the things that you went through those first few months just to get your body to come back down 
from the sprint of life. Yeah. Do you remember any pieces of that? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I would say, um, do you guys talk about the Enneagram at all on this podcast? Okay. Some of us know about the Enneagram. Yeah. Okay. So, um, for those that are familiar with it, I am an Enneagram seven and sevens live to be happy and energetic and have as many opportunities as possible to do everything you could possibly want to do. I mean, it's like life is a buffet. Um, That's me too. We do. Yeah. Yep. Um, So for me, with that particular orientation and personality, um, when I was deciding what the focus of my sabbatical would be at first, you know, cause you look around and you see all these grants for people that do sabbaticals and they're going to Italy and they're making bread and they're yeah. to Patagonia <laughs> and they're like fly fishing. And you're like, Oh, that must be what a sabbatical is. So I want to do that. So, you know, yeah. with that particular, you know, sort of bent towards life, I um, very much so started off with my list of really cool places I wanted to go and experiences I wanted to have. Yeah. And my husband, <laughs> who is um, a spiritual director and has done a lot of work with the Enneagram. He passed me this um, resource, which Lindsay, you can post if it's helpful yeah. afterwards. And um, it's called like the path um, to the divine heart, which I can't really explain to you everything that, that means. But the point is um, my spiritual practice that I should do to recover myself, to have sort of restoration is emptying. And all those things I just listed are just filling up the cup. Right. So, and and to your point about, you know, running and like all these different things that I wanted to do, filling the cup right up. And so I read this sheet about how the, you know, my particular Enneagram number should find rest. And, um, it was all about, you should try to be in the present and not the future. And you should empty and not fill. And you should find a way to be in tune with your pain. No, thank you. Think about all the the happy things that you want to do in the future. And so when I really looked at designing a sabbatical, I, I chose to go the hard route and do the things that I knew would actually bring restoration oh. to myself and not just be a year of playing. So um, I think I had a lot of people who would say, oh my gosh, you're on a sabbatical. That's so exciting. Uh, what fun things are you going to do? And I had to sort of explain to them that that's not, that's not what I'm doing. I'm not on a year long vacation. Yeah. I'm choosing to recover these lost parts of myself and my path towards that, not everyone's, but my path was finding rhythms and rituals that would help me empty out those parts and and be connected to the, the disappointment and the pain and the, the frustration of where I was at in life. Um, that hundred percent of the time, no one can do that, but you know, so I didn't get to go on long runs. My body very much told me well, we need to stop. So let's go do hot yoga and meditation call with two of my friends who we just literally, uh, it's a little silly. We called each other and then we didn't talk to each other. We just meditated. (laughs) It was like um, 
uh, accountability for meditation. So we would get up and we would, we would do that. And I had a spiritual director that I would talk to regularly that would help me kind of return to center on some of these things. So mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't go to Italy and bake bread and you didn't eat, love, pray your way through Europe. I did not. That sounds amazing, but I did not go to Bali. You know, I actually just had this gentle rhythm of mm-hmm. hearing and listening to what my body and my mind, and my spirit were telling me to. Yeah. And then process it, learning, I think learning for the first time with the help of that spiritual director, how to actually sit in the present moment in whatever I'm feeling emotionally. Yeah. It's not happy and deal with that. And I think I came out on the other side of a sabbatical, a totally different person because I learned how to integrate and how to really listen to myself and what I actually wanted to be about in the future. Yeah. Tell us more about this integration piece. This is a really important part of our, everyone's healing. Can you talk, can you speak more to this idea of integration? Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, for me, I think that integrating means that I, there are these disparate kind of disconnected pieces of myself Mm -hmm. and I end up being, they lead me to be a different person depending on the people and the places that I'm in. And so that having to take the time and the focus to then connect all of that together so that I can work from my truest core self most yeah. uh, has just been a bit of, of a labor of love, but, and you know, it's, it's up and down. It's not, it's not perfect, but mm-hmm. me, that's a lot of what my sabbatical was about. I could see that. I can see how, regardless of if you work in the for-profit, not-for-profit space, we go into places and parts of us kind of shatter off and they don't come to this. My creative self isn't being used here. I'm just going to kind of quiet it and get my stuff done. Or we get kind of fractured through life and we need these times to sit back and say, wait a second, this doesn't actually feel good to me, or this is really recharging. I'm surprised how recharging this is. I'm going to do more of this. We don't always get that reflection time to take those pieces and reintegrate and hear ourselves because I mean, I see this all the time in my own life in everyone around me. We live in a culture of massive distraction. It is so easy to live disintegrated. It's so easy to have just like little shatters of us everywhere and not even really know what's going on in our hearts and minds. Yeah. I think to your earlier question, cause it loops back to that. Yeah. Just the, the constant noise that we live yes. in, we even realize the noise that's there. Uh, a number of years ago, I went on this hike that was in Utah and mm-hmm. it's probably the only place I've ever been that my cell phone didn't work. There were no, no shops anywhere. Uh, you couldn't, we, at one point I saw a plane fly overhead and I couldn't hear the plane. Like there weren't, there wasn't any noise pollution or any light pollution and the, that first couple of days, it was so alarming. <laughs> like there's just, there's nothing to distract you other than right where you are. And I think a sabbatical, if done well, has the same effect, but maybe in a, a more emotional, spiritual sense. I mean, you can't, most people can't just hike every day for 365 days, right? But it's, <laughs> yeah. 
spiritually and emotionally, and even relationally, you're starting to get rid of that noise and actually then begin to notice what's inside of you Mm. and what matters to you. And Mm -hmm. so the, the first bit of a sabbatical is just this weird, like I'm frenzied. I want to be doing something. Yeah. What's going on? What's going on? Where's the noise? Yeah. And then after you get through that period, which, you know, could be three days or three months, Mm -hmm. you start to actually hear what actually has been trying to speak to you the whole time. But, you know, those disparate disconnected pieces maybe have been trying to tell you, Hey, I'm over here. I don't want to be here. I don't like this. I didn't want to do that. Can you stop making me do this? Like, I hate this, you know? And you start to hear all of that for the first time because you got rid of the noise. And then the next period of time is what are you going to do to, (laughs) what are you going to do with all that? You know? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. You really have to get back down to like zero to even hear again. Yeah. To hear your own voice, your inner voice. I didn't put that. What'd you say? So just to hear yourself. Yeah. I know you mentioned I was a very different person on the other end of this sabbatical. Can you share just one or two things that you noticed were different about you coming back into work? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to describe, or maybe I don't know if it will be hard for someone else to say, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Or if it, if it actually will, because I know I'm like, I'm pretty much like, Hey, uh, what's going to the moon? Like you're like, okay, let me try to explain <laughs> It's tough. It's just such an internal deep shift that I think it's hard to articulate well. But for me, I think that when I finally heard that voice, my voice, it, you know, it was saying, I'm not, I don't want to keep doing this type of work anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was really surprising and difficult to hear myself say. So then taking time during my sabbatical to say, well, what, what am I actually passionate about? What do I want to contribute to? That's probably the biggest thing that's obvious is, yeah, you know, actually a, a bit of a career reorientation. Um, but I think even more subtle than that is before, I think I was pretty like discombobulated, like that energy was all over the place. And I think it, it became more centered so that I could actually direct my energy towards the people and activities that I wanted to mm-hmm. be more, more focused. So I think about that as a high achiever, because we have a lot of high achievers with us today. You are certainly a high achiever and there seems to be this mentality that's kind of dragged through middle school and high school and college where it's like, as a high achiever, if you want me to do something, I'm not only going to do it, I'm going to crush it. And, oh, that's interesting. Everybody wants me to do this thing and be on this board and serve here and share here. And before you know, it feels so good to be wanted. It feels so good to be seen as smart and competent. And at some point, your energy is based on what everybody else thinks you should do. It's very hard to hear yourself and say, uh, thank it's, you know, it's an honor that you want me to be a part of this. I just can't do it. And I think about that book, this book, Essentialism. I talk about this all the time where Greg McCune studied mental wellness and excellence and found that the key was to say no more and more often that you've got to get down to the core of the core of what you're about and ruthlessly say no to everything else. That's a big, 
that takes courage and that takes bravery. And that's really why I wanted you to be on the porch with me so that people would hear someone who isn't daydreaming about it, but actually freaking did it, went and made it happen. Did yeah. you feel, did you feel like your, like your view of not just yourself, but did work change for you too? Just the concept the, of work, did that change for you through this process? And how do you think of work now? Absolutely it changed. I, I think the biggest thing for me was being reminded that my personal boundaries are really important to honor. And if I honor what those boundaries are, then I will do better work. And mm-hmm. before I, I just really didn't uphold any of those boundaries. And so when I returned to work, actually returned with much trepidation. So did you uh, really? Yeah. So I um, very intentionally decided to do consulting and not work for someone so that I could practice those boundaries and really form them before I decided to step back into something else. Um, so, I, I mean, I, for me, that was the biggest piece was work is needs to be compartmentalized. It's not who I am. It's an important thing that I contribute to, but also I will do my best work if I boundary that appropriately and give myself the, the space and time that I need to, to be re-energized. I'll prevent the burnout that happened before mm-hmm. required the, the burnout based sabbatical. I'll prevent that if I actually honor those boundaries. Mm-hmm. So, um, and yeah, I've, I've worked less. I haven't worked your typical 40 hours and, yeah. uh, I think I've actually made more money than I did before. So that, I mean, that's an interesting thing to take a break and say, I'm, I'm stepping off the cliff. I'm leaving this full-time job with benefits. And I'm, yeah. I don't know what's on the other side. And what was on the other side for me was less hours of work and more money. So brilliant encouragement for anyone who's concerned about that, that you might be surprised what you're actually capable of if you took the time to yes. and, and step out. So Well, and now more than ever in human history, truly, this isn't just like a now more than ever opportunities are available. It's like in human history, we have never, the bar has the, the barrier to entry to own a business or to work for yourself has never been lower. I know somebody that makes 10 grand a month on Etsy. I know a professional cat photographer, like specifically felines, specifically like There are so many opportunities, but for us to even step back, find our center, pull our pieces back in and listen, that is a courageous path to take so that you can see what really inspires my soul, my spirit. And I've heard you, you know, we talk a lot about faith and spirituality, and I'm curious, how did that kind of fold into this experience for you? Um, the thing that I know that we have in common is that like life is more than material possessions. That's like the base baseline of spirituality is that like, I'm not just here buying things, eating things, sleeping, like there's a deeper meaning to life. How has this with whatever you feel comfortable sharing, how has this kind of shaped your kind of spiritual vision for your life? Yeah, that's a big question. I don't know that I can answer. You have six that. minutes. Go ahead. Three minutes or less. Okay. Um, I think for me, I come from a very evangelical Christian background. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly have a lot of angst about that, 
but that's the, that's the background. And my sabbatical was a time for me to not have to report to anyone or kind of show up in a particular spiritual way. I could actually just listen to my own spiritual desires. Mm. And I would say it, um, it reordered a lot of how I interact with God and Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what I think is actually nourishing spiritual practices for me uh, yeah. is what everyone else around me was telling me I needed, which I, I think was also a part of the burnout was having to show up in my life in a certain spiritual way and taking that year, people kind of understand when you take that sabbatical that uh, they, they shouldn't bother you, <laughs> which is really nice. So then you have that space to um, ask the questions that you need to. And order in the way that you want to um, spiritually or in any other way before anyone kind of pressures you to show up in a certain way again, if that, if that answers your question. So totally. Well, there is this idea of reordering your life, both internally, externally, kind of resetting your compass to true North, getting off of the chaos cycle and taking that step back. What would you say, what tips do you have for folks that maybe are listening today who are feeling burned out and maybe are even fantasizing about kind of stopping it all for a season? What tips would you share that you've learned? Yeah, I would say if you're fantasizing about taking a sabbatical, you probably need one. So I would say stop fantasizing because I'm really good at fantasizing. So stop fantasizing and start making a plan. Yeah. And even if your plan you look at it and you're like, man, I can only afford to do this for three weeks. Then just start, you know, it doesn't have to be just do it for three weeks, do it for whatever period of time you can do. And yeah, I would say a a plan is, is what should happen. And in that plan, I would say, try to figure out whether it's the Enneagram or some other, you know, form of gaining some self-knowledge, like what do you actually need on that sabbatical versus just making it a really neat, vacation that you have, like what will help you actually recover whatever is lost, mm-hmm. what will help you recover your, if you're burned out, what will help you restore a little bit mm-hmm. or process whatever you need to process or like, what, what do you need and what are the, the key ingredients to that? Um, that that's what I, where I would start. And if it's possible to take a longer one, I would take as long as you can, uh, because I would say my, so my husband and I, I said, what I think I really need is a year long sabbatical, but yeah. we didn't know financially if, if we could take a year long sabbatical, we knew mm-hmm. we could take three months. And so when I started, we agreed that I would take 90 days and then we would reassess at the end of the 90 days. Can we financially keep going? And we did that every 90 days. So Smart. I didn't even know when I started that I was going to be able to take the whole year. I just knew I sort of set that intention. Like, yeah, I need, I need a year. I'd like to take a year. So yeah. <laughs> universe helped me take a year, you know, mm-hmm. but 90 days in, I didn't know if that was going to happen. So 90 days in, it was like, you can take another 90 days. We can do that. And then 180 days in, you can take another 90 days. And somehow we made it to a year. Right. So I think I'd also just say, you don't, you don't have to be fully capable of taking the longest period. You can just start, just start what you're doing. And make a plan and set an intention for what you want to get out of it and just go for it. What are you going to lose? I mean, you have everything to gain. There's nothing to lose. All the things that you're worried about losing, you probably want to lose anyways. (laughs) That's the irony is, you know, 
have you ever, do you remember this? Um, I'm going to totally mess up this visual, but there is like this little animal that's trying to get a nut out of a jar and sticks his hand in the jar. And as soon as he grabs onto the nut, he can't get his wrist back out. And he's just now his whole hand is stuck in the jar and he's waving it around and he can't get it out because he's gripping so tight to that nut. He could have just turned the jar over and, and it could have fallen right into his lap. But we do, we get kind of trapped. Sometimes we call it golden handcuffs in American culture. You're trapped in a job. You're trapped in a scenario that is steady, is cozy. You look out into the world, it feels unknown. It's very scary, unpredictable. We just had a global pandemic. Our housing mortgage rates are you know, all over the map. Maybe I should just stay here and ride this out. Maybe I should just ride this out and keep moving and keep moving. And at some point, like you said, at some point you just knew that's enough. I'm going to switch gears here. And you had that compassion and self-awareness for yourself to be able to do that. That is so powerful. Well, I am so glad that we got to talk about this and really process a sabbatical. It's not an extended vacation. It's not an eat, pray, love tour through Italy. It could be, I guess, pasta making. But for some of us, it would be the opportunity to be quiet and still and reintegrate all the parts of ourselves. That's really what I hear you saying when we think about a sabbatical. Yeah. I think a sabbatical is, it's an opportunity to recover what's been lost. Yes. Well, I'm going to write that down. And honestly, for me, going to Italy and baking bread would have been a terrible choice, but that might be as exactly what somebody else needs to do. Who's so maybe a different, yeah, stuck, reclusive, like not wanting to take those sort. Maybe that's exactly what they need to do. So, I wish that that was the thing I got to do. But you know, whatever experiences or activities or rhythms help you recover the lost parts of yourself, that's what you should curate, right? I'm writing that down. You do. I think that's really good. That um. Hold on. I'm writing and talking at the same time. Lost parts of yourself. Um, I think about that because I see trainers, educators all the time say like you, everybody needs to wake up early. You need to do things this way. You need to do, oh, now ice baths, no sauna, no ice bath and sauna. And you're saying something very important that even in the self-care world, we can be overindulgent and distracted from what our actual body needs and what our personality, our temperament, our system needs. Yeah. I think it'd be easy to write a book and slap a plan together and tell everybody, if you did these 12 things in your sabbatical, you'd find your way, but that just isn't true. You know, I think you're the only one that knows what your resources are, how much time you have and what you actually need and what your intention is. Right. You're the only one that knows that. And I mean, you could, there are sabbatical coaches. You could work with one, but at the end of the day, that's all you need is to maybe do an activity to name some of those things. And the rest, I mean, if if you create the space to get rid of the noise and then you listen to yourself, yourself will speak. It's been trying to speak for a long time, right? If you live in as much noise as I do, it's not that you don't, you know, that you don't know it's that you can't hear yourself. So it's like, you don't need an expert to tell you how to do this. You just need a little bit of quiet to be able to hear what yourself actually is trying to tell you. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. 
So this idea to, you know, it's also crashing against like, if you're going to take a break, you need a, basically a business plan that has all the steps lined out with the deliverables at the end. And I hear you saying like a sabbatical is what do I need right now? Quiet. Okay. Now I'm in the quiet. What do I hear? Oh, I hear this. Okay. Let's do that. Next one thing. It's really like going through the wilderness and not saying like, I'm going to map out every day, all of my time. It is like truly giving that space. That is so interesting to think about. And it's kind of anti the way my brain has been trained to think about pretty much everything. So that's a challenge. You're challenging me too. I love that. We did have a question come in. What'd you say? I said, it's annoying. Like I love plans. I love, love, you know, agendas and you can have intentions, but intentions are not, they're not a daily planner, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the irony, which I don't think I said about you, Kristen, but everybody should know is that you are a strategic operations leader. So it's, you're not like a, let's all just feel this out. You're like, how does this behavior lead to this deliverable? That is how you think and what you get paid to think about. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So, so interesting. Okay. I have a question for you. I don't know if you'll have an answer. I'm curious. How do you find grants for sabbaticals? Have you ever heard of such a thing? There are some grants. Um, depends on what type of work that you're in. So Lily has a, a pastoral grant mm-hmm. uh, locally here in Indianapolis that I think is for, it's either for a set amount of money or a period of time. Okay. So that's potentially a resource if you're a pastor. If you're not a pastor, I don't. I don't think you can qualify. There are certain churches or denominations. Oh yes. And for teachers too, there are grants for teachers. Um, there are certain churches or denominations that support taking sabbaticals. And then man, if you're lucky enough to work at a company that supports sabbaticals, some places of employment also support them. So That's right. there are, Sam is putting a bunch of links in for everybody. That's great. What were you going to say, Kristen? There are some resources, but I would say a sabbatical is also very countercultural. And we only think of certain types of people who have certain types of jobs needing one. And that's just not true. So I think, unfortunately, I wish they were more resourced, but unfortunately in my research, at least I didn't find an abundance of opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Thank you for finding those, Sam, and for mentioning those, Kristen. That's very interesting. And this is exactly what we're talking about as we're on this um, call together is not can I do it, but how can I do it? How can I make this happen? We're already thinking outside the box, which is what this is all about. Kristen, if people wanted to connect with you, what would be the best way for them to stay connected to you and continue to hear from you, maybe ask you some questions. Where should they connect? Yeah, I think LinkedIn is a great okay, place great. and message on there. It's probably the, the best place that I check regularly. Okay. Awesome. And I just, this has been so, Kristen, you always challenge me to consider to not be status quo and not just for the sake of it, not to be a disruptor for disruption's sake, but to disrupt the way that I'm thinking for my own benefit and the benefit of others. I think you do that so well. And it means a lot that you came on the porch today to 
share your story with us and to inspire us as well. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I, I would just say that if anyone is in the position to take a sabbatical, it is not a selfish thing. It's, it's for yourself. Sure. But the way you love yourself is the way you love other people. So do it not just for yourself, but for your family and for your friends and for your community and the work that you do. It's, it's a worthwhile investment that you won't regret. I love that. Thinking about that as an investment is so smart. I love that idea. Well, thank you all for being here. Kristen, you're a rock star. Thank you for spending time on the porch and challenging us to think differently. This is a great thing you could send to your partner or your significant other or whoever, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, and see what they think. Softball it for them and see what they think. Kristen, this is so helpful and encouraging. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me on. Of course. All right, y'all. Till next time. We'll see you on the porch next month. Thanks, everybody.